bounce, bounce. Okay. Left, right. Hmm. Housekeeping. <laughs> Postmates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hang on 10 minutes outside the door. I'm busy talking to somebody. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your sometimes twice weekly podcast that sometimes celebrates the podcast Too Beautiful to Live in my primary residence studios in beautiful Kenmore, New York. I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne, the original Anne Crate Lundholm, the only Anne Crate that comes with its very own lemon bar. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Bobby. And in the Deer Blind Studios in the Mountain Room, in the ranch at Manchac, Texas, it's Mike, the original Pancake Daddy Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I like to call myself Flapjack Daddy. I don't want to infringe on anyone's <laughs> brand. <laughs> That's even better. We are going to do a little LRB business followed by your week in review, some housekeeping and how to get involved. It's a good old-fashioned recap. It's been a while since I've done the intro, a couple of weeks at least. I feel like this is new and energized. Uh, glad to be back in the saddle. It also means that I have less recapping responsibility. So thanks, guys. You're welcome. Starting with some LRB business, we have a Friday show to talk about. If you haven't heard it yet, you should because it's pretty great. And the mastermind of these Friday shows. Tell us a little bit about your trip to the bowling alley. First up, I want to let everybody know that uh, when I posted the show, then in the comments, I immediately linked the YouTube for sorority babes in the slime ball bowlerama. So if you haven't watched that trailer, less bowling than I expected, but <laughs> there's more... no bowling in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. More paddling of sorority women and of, Frankenstein's bride type lady with an axe hissing and um, quality cinema. That's all I have to say. But but that is an aside for the bowling show in which Christy and I discussed a variety of times that uh, TBTL talked about or went to the bowling alley and we had a lot of fun and I hope everybody enjoys it. It was fantastic. As as usual, great, great work on those clip shows. Yeah, really. Um. Great to hear so much conversation about Kenmore Lanes, a place that we've actually been. Uh, and you came, you were at the bowling alley with us, right? No. You haven't been to Kenmore Lanes? Mm-mm. Okay, we're going to have to fix that. Mike, I just assume that you've been to Kenmore Lanes. I have been to Kenmore Lanes. I've, I've with my brother doing the midnight bowling and all that stuff way back in the day. Yeah, it really hasn't changed. No, I'm so, sure it hasn't changed one bit. Maybe we should do that next uh, Seattle trip. We should we should get on that. And speaking of, there was a plug for the picnic in the Friday mm -hmm. show. Of course, I say this without a calendar in front of me, but the picnic is happening. It's a thing, and we're doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just going to keep talking about how we're doing it until I can get a calendar in front of me and say that that picnic is going to be Friday, July 27th at, at a location... Time. To, to be, be determined. determined. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, you know, the guys were sort of stumbling around about it 
on Friday as if as if this year would be the time for us to just do it and invite them, you know, because oh, yeah. that's kind of how they sounded like they wanted things to go down. They specifically said if we could do it and not have it be a big thing where they have to and organize not it. do a show possibly. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be tough, though, because Andrew's going to have to hitchhike from the Roosevelt neighborhood. Yeah. Of Seattle, and Luke might have to show a little ankle to get all the way from Bellingham. <laughs> He's got to get that beard under control. No one's going to pick him up. <laughs> uh, speaking of a baby-faced Luke, by the way, I just watched that Pancake Daddy video right before we started. Yeah. He looks so young. <laughs> oh, I, I remember watching that and um, watching the Pancake Daddy videos, and it... It made me a little uncomfortable because uh, at the time I was a, a heavier fellow and I had a, a, let's just say, a B cup, maybe a C, a uh, couple of flapjacks on my chest. And poor Luke in that video, he's wearing a T-shirt and he's got a little bit of a flapjack situation going on. Mm, you're saying which, that's before he started doing CrossFit? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was definitely a, a pre, pre-fitness you know, hardcore fitness Luke, and and I felt bad for him when I when I watched it. It's the uh, the long sleeve T shirt and then the short sleeve T shirt over it, and so there's some mm-hmm. there's some layering there that's going on that's probably not helping. No, uh, yeah, and that was my look for a long time. And once in a while, I'll still bust out, and then I uh, the short sleeve shirt over the long sleeve shirt and try to be cool. Then I remember it's not the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> I I like that look a lot too, and and I used to get made fun of a lot by Matt Baca for it, especially because I had one shirt that was just designed that way. It looked like a, sh- a long sleeve shirt under a short sleeve shirt, but it was all one shirt. And uh, Baca just killed me for that one. He would just murder me for that one. Well, I think you and I are both in the camp where in the summer, especially, you've got to wear like two or three t-shirts just to contain the sweat. <laughs> right. And so Lovely. there's just people. People will look at me like yesterday I worked this gig. I worked a charity auction at the Buffalo Zoo and the cocktail, well, the attire uh, was described as cocktail. So I just wore a black suit and a blue shirt and tie and three T-shirts over it. Yeah. Well, I'm wearing an undershirt. I look like a politician at a, at a groundbreaking event. I've just got the event T-shirt over my shirt and tie like an asshole. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) No, I I was wearing a suit. You got your Rodney Hood jersey on over your over your suit. <laughs> the other guys who were there were all just wearing black shirts and pants, and they were like, "How are you not going to die wearing all that?" And I was like, "Are you kidding? If I take any of this off, you'll see how disgusting I am <laughs> as a human. This suit coat is hiding so much. Mm-hmm. It's just a choice you make. I'd rather die of heat exhaustion than die of embarrassment." Uh. Mike, you have an idea? Mike has ideas. Segment TM trademark. Yeah, I um nothing's bothering me this week, but I do have an idea. And that is, boy, these diet cokes <laughs> they're really getting <laughs> getting on top of me too. I've had nothing but water this morning. I find this unfair that I have a frog in my throat. Uh anyway, um the 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 seed of this idea uh I got Last summer, I think, or maybe the summer before, I can't remember. Whenever I was doing rideshare driving in San Marcos, um, there 
there are a lot of uh, places to float on the river. There's a, actually, I think there's a couple rivers, and there's you know different uh, different companies that do the that do the floating and the inner tubes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the company that I admired was um, it it was a Lions Club uh, like charity thing that they do every summer, and they do it really really well. They have multiple buses that uh, that that t- that ferry people back and forth and they also have multiple like pickups that that um, that tow these giant cages that they put all of the inner tubes in to get them back up the river and I was thinking about there was a um, a bicycle sharing service that there's one in Austin that that I guess it's pretty popular Um and and there's there there are ones in a lot of major cities bicycle sharing services and they they work out and 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 people use them and they make money and all that. Uh, but I guess they tried to do it in Seattle, and Seattle's a very hilly place. So what would happen was people would would rent the bicycles on top of the hill and then go all the way down into downtown or down to the waterfront and then just. Nobody would be renting bikes and then chugging up the hill. They'd get themselves a a lift, you know, or or, or a cab or an, or an Uber if they are evil. So it didn't work. So I want to go into Seattle with a company called Glide, and we we put all the bicycles at the top of the hill. Maybe we put a couple at the bottom of the hill for for some hero types that are going to try to get up uh, all the way up the hill in Seattle any of the hills. But the main thrust of the business is you just let people glide down the hill and then we we horse the bicycles back up to the top. And we just drop any pretense of 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 like a real back and forth like Austin has. So, you know, call it something like coast or glide or something like that. So people know, oh, this is this is easy. I'm this is no sweat. I'm just gonna I'm just going to coast down to the bottom of the hill and do my business. And everyone knows that uh, I'm just going to, you know, call my girlfriend or my wife when I need to get picked up. So that's my idea. What do you think? I'm curious if you even need to put pedals on the bikes. (laughs) Right. Right. Brakes, but no pedals. (laughs) They're just giant scooters. The ones we put at the bottom of the hill, we put some pedals on there, you know, just think. Just here you go. Just in case somebody actually has to get across town. Yeah, if they're going sideways, you know, the, yeah. just going. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes you're just going uh, from uptown to downtown, which is not too bad. But if you're going, if you're going any anywhere from east to west in Seattle, um, you know, you're kidding yourself. If you think you're going to bicycle back up the hill? I would say you could just take a dolly, but that name is taken. Hmm. Yeah, so we don't need to make any more work for Jeremy than he already has. No, he's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just got my bike out of storage this week. I yeah, rode my that's bike what made the, me think of it, Bob. For the first time in years yesterday, and I'm sore everywhere. Yeah, because <laughs> you haven't used those muscles since the last time you were on your bike. Yeah, also, how do you ride a bike without your ass hurting after? I guess I forgot. <laughs> You don't forget how to ride a bike, but you do forget all the ancillary things like how to stop when you're riding a bike and how to not fall over mm-hmm. when you're riding a bike and 
how to yeah. make your ass not hurt. Because I am sore yeah. in places that I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about. Taint torture. It's just yeah. taint torture. <laughs> just... This is why I never participate when my gym does like special cycling class events. Like They're just going to do a one-off. And I'm like, listen, I am not putting myself in that kind of pain just for one time. If I if it's a regular mm-hmm. class, about by the fourth or fifth class, things start to not hurt every time right. I go, and I can mm-hmm. do that. But just one time, no, thank you. Yeah, and you and you won't see any results if you do it one time. So mm-hmm. you're just getting all the pain with none of the results. Exactly. That's terrible. That's not fun. No, not fun and not productive. Well, we'll see how riding around the neighborhood goes because we're a one-car family in Buffalo and it would be nice to have, you know, an alternative option to go get lunch or whatever. So that's the real the real end game here. But Maybe you uh, could investigate yeah. a, a more comfortable seat. Well, I have time. I have a pair of bicycle shorts somewhere from years ago that have padding in them which just look ridiculous, right. but you know, that's a start. That but it's padding not, works by the way. That padding really does work. So you should wear those if you can it's not just there though. Like I'm, I make you in like weird spots in my shoulders and like stuff that I didn't think had anything to do with pedaling my bike. <laughs> uh, but if we can get a Peloton sponsorship for LRB, I'll keep talking about how great biking is. Oh, hell yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh the West wing weekly has a Peloton spot. And uh, what's his name? Joshua Molina talks about how much he loves his Peloton bike. And I was like, yeah, I bet you do. Cause you have actor money. Yep. Yeah. I take a Peloton. Anyway, uh, Mike, you also have a stump date. We're very Mike heavy in LRB business. <laughs> right? Uh, the stump date. We have accepted an offer on the Kyle house. And uh, it's a Yay. Fir- first time by our couple. They've, they're FHA approved. We're going into an inspection period right now. We've, um, we've stipulated we're not doing any repairs. Um, so, you know, it was... I'm not going to lie to you. It was a it was a little bit of a bitch getting all the insects to sign all the papers, you know. <laughs> but luckily we have DocuSign now, so you know you can just electronically get it over to them, and they they looked it over and they've approved it. So uh, we'll see. It's um, you know it process takes a while, so so we'll see. But we got two offers, and and we we countered one of them, the one that we took. Uh, bent a little bit and the other one didn't so we happily told them to take a hike it's nice to have two offers <laughs> let's just say that because mm-hmm. it's nice to to tell someone who doesn't want to negotiate to to just f right off well it's so. good you got one offer for each side of your foundation <laughs> congratulations oh thank you very much this has been a heavy weight on you guys for a while it really has. I mean, it was a huge, huge sigh of relief. But we didn't get, we didn't hear just anything. I mean, we knew some people were looking at it, but we, the, the, the house we sold last time, you know, sold after the first weekend, and, and you know, I don't think Emily's ever had a house on the market more than more than a week, and this was on the market for almost two weeks, and, and then all of a sudden two offers came in the same day, and we were like, oh, thank God. We thought, you start to think you're screwed, you know. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the money back that you put into it and all that. But, but it looks good. looks good now. Excellent. Well, uh, I've seen the Kyle house, and I'm happy to see it go. I hope that these new tenants, these new owners, rather, uh, 
are excited to get on next door and really get to know your neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Emily still follows uh, next door Kensington Trails, and it's it's, it's an endless endless yeah. uh, entertainment for her. Uh, and um, speaking of ingrained racism, we've got some throw your phone moments uh, that we'll get to throughout the week. But before we do that, there's a couple that we wanted to address right off the top, uh, and one of them requires a little bit of sincere conversation. But before that. Uh, we have, uh, I'll just do both of them. We have a three year phone from listener Scotty who writes little behind on the LRB, but just caught up over the weekend. I am the person that bought the Ranger t-shirt and Ranger Mountie hat. This is back from our Amazon uh, episode. Our kickball team's name slash theme this year is Ranger things. So the name badges might be me as well. My company does three conferences a year. So Ranger things. That's smart. That made me mm-hmm. so so happy this is so much better than somebody who is just too excited for halloween <laughs> or someone who's who's uh who's doing some illegal impression of a mountie all right yeah. maybe wear it to the bar and scam on some chicks oh uh, yeah <laughs> i work up on your horse service <laughs> Totally an early Halloween costume of mine in my early college years. I found an Erie County Park Ranger uniform at a thrift store. And for like two solid years, anytime I needed a costume, I was just, eh, I'm a park ranger. You, e- you look easy. like a park ranger. Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> I would well, trust I, you to, to range my parks. I modeled myself after Ranger Gord from the Red Green Show. Yes. Like... <laughs> oh my God. Do you remember that episode, Bobby, where uh Ranger Gord was spying on this lady he named Samantha and he fell in love with her only to discover that she was actually a log. <laughs> Except for the log part, that's actually the story of my marriage. <laughs> hey oh. Uh the added benefit is I know that Samantha is just in the other room and heard that and I'll have no idea what we're talking about. Uh so yeah, Scotty, thank you for that. See if I can find a picture of Ranger Gord. I was going to make uh, Luke making pancakes the show picture, but maybe Ranger Gord is better. Uh, On to a a more sincere three-year phone moment. Uh, This is from, and I'm quoting, Asian listener number five. And uh, Asian listener number five writes, I've been stewing on this for a couple of weeks. I should note before I read this, this came in right after we recorded last week's recap. So it's a little bit dated because it's about not this last week, but the week before. I've been stewing on this for a couple of weeks, having seen how swift the outrage was about, quote, middle-aged momish types. I have to point out how telling it is that when Luke dismissively referred to the restaurant hostess in Hawaii as a 12-year-old girl and then sarcastically said, mahalo, no one batted an eye. That's racism, full stop. Put that scenario in a Mexican restaurant where Luke says, quote, gracias, amigo, and you start to see the problem. Uh... We have some acronyms here. I'll spell them both out. What the actual fuck has happened to Too Beautiful to Live? Question mark, exclamation point. I was really upset that this came in last Sunday, like an hour after we recorded the recap, because I felt like this was something that couldn't wait, you know, it's of a sort of a general enough topic that we could wait to include it in the mailbag at the end of the month. But I was like, no, I don't want to wait three and a half weeks 
to talk about this because this is so important to this listener and an important topic. So I was like, let's just get it on the agenda for as soon as possible and let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, and Anne, you pulled the clip. So really, I wasn't thinking this. You were thinking this. And then I just saw your good idea and thought, that's a good idea. I'll say it's mine. Um, <laughs> why don't we play here the just the quick clip from Luke uh, saying this to put it in context? That was one of those moments, though, where I was like, you know, they have like a 12-year-old girl as the hostess of this fancy restaurant and a very nice person, but just deer in the headlights no idea that you're like picking us up i mean how could she have known but you somehow i wanted to just vulcan mind meld and be like please don't put us at the table that is Mm -hmm. next to the people we're trying to get away from please don't please tell me that's not what you're doing that's what you're doing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really that's what you went with uh mahalo Uh, so that's straight from the podcaster's mouth um the 12 year old girl and mahalo and and this is this is sensitive you know, I don't know exactly what to make of this. I mean, it's a, certainly a valid point from the listener. Um, and at the same time, I'm not convinced that Luke meant to be... Um, I'm confident that Luke didn't mean to be racist, just like I'm confident Luke didn't mean to be sexist with his middle-aged mama's type comments. Our Our frustration and bemusement with that is that he just kept leaning on it and kept going back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about this and i was like well i don't know but i'll be damned if i tell an asian person that what they heard is not racism you know that's me sitting here as the white lady being like i don't hear it um okay good job yeah right i guess i i I won't defend luke i'm pretty much anything despite being the show optimist apparently (laughs) (laughs) bobby sunshine yeah, right. Me, it's me. Um, I will make a couple of points. One, I have been to so many restaurants where the hostess is the young, ditzy girl who wasn't smart enough to be a server. And so that's where she landed, was on the hostess stand. But that's not universal. I've mm-hmm. seen ditzy guys <laughs> who are hosts. <laughs> right. uh, and they're not always young. Uh, but I would say often, and Mike, you know the restaurant business better than a lot of people. I think that that tends to be where you start. So sometimes yeah, it is youngest, a, a youngest person. Right. Youngest person, least skilled person. And um, yeah, we don't we don't call them hostesses or hosts. We call them hosti. Ah. Seriously? Are you but, making a joke? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. It's, hmm. it's not stewardess. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like not actor actress if we went with acti you know <laughs> right 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 uh but yeah but definitely i mean also i mean I've, I've worked a lot of places and especially you know when i was hosting trivia in the places that were a little more clubby or upscale you also just put the hottest ditziest girl oh yeah front. you want yeah yeah you want yeah. good looking people out there right mm-hmm. and that's not that's not. I'm not saying that that's what you should do. I'm just saying that that's what happens. It's what happens. So, yeah. <laughs> it's right. Totally what happens. Well, there is a little bit something to this, though, for sure. I would say given mm-hmm. that um, Asian ladies on the whole tend to be petite. And so right. mm-hmm. it is a little bit of a way to infantilize them by and referring to her as a 12-year-old girl. There is also just the general notion that, that sometimes it's harder to peg the age of an Asian woman 
mm-hmm. completely understand that compared to you know the general For population us. of the world. Right. I'm sure. Right. I'm sure the Asian folks, Asian you Asian folks out there, you you can better gauge. Just like I I can tell how old uh, white people are. Right. Usually. I get it. All of us white people look the same too to some people. I, I completely <laughs> right. <understand>. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the Mahalo thing, you know. I see the point there and I'm not justifying other ways, but it reminds me of the South Park episode about Hawaii where the rewards card that all of these, these white people who consider themselves native Hawaiians is actually called the Mahalo rewards card. (laughs) (laughs) It's just right. It's just one of those terms that's been so co-opted that. Yeah. Oh, the whole thing is cringy. And I, I feel I guess I don't know that I feel bad that I missed it, but I'm really glad that Asian listener number five has brought it to our attention. We're learning. I I missed it because I was too busy reveling in his defeat during the situation, you know. <laughs> and I, yeah. I'm sorry that was imperialist of me, and and I'm sorry I should have been listening closer to to that um, cultural slight. But really, I was I was just openly rooting against luke again which i seem to do a lot these days because i'm i am the negative person i guess yeah well and i think that also what got him on this when i went back and re-listened to it was that he said mahalo in such a sarcastic tone right the tone right which wasn't i mean when i travel like when i was in portugal um, all the Duolingo in the world wasn't going to get me ready for that in two months. But I did try to say obrigado when I was leaving somewhere to say thank you to people, to at least sort of make the acknowledgement that they have a different language and I'm not just some entitled American tour- tourist as a s- sign of respect. So I would hope that when people say mahalo in Hawaii, that's sort of the same thing. I don't know. I've never been. Mahalo. Right. But um but the the scorn with which he said that really um yeah. did not help his cause at all. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that that throw your phone because it pointed at something out that it sounds like we all kind of missed and and it is a real thing. I mean, we took over we took over your goddamn islands. I mean, yeah, that's gross. That wasn't nice. <laughs> That wasn't nice. We, now we don't need to be mean to you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't so pretty well, and you didn't have so many pineapples, we wouldn't have had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I do like pineapples. Yeah. Yep. So we're all getting better together. And mm-hmm. keep sending that kind of stuff in, guys. The throw your phone moments don't just have to be for the ridiculous things, although those are good, too. Now, let me... Uh, we brought up pineapples, and yes, this is a this is a tangent. So I'll just say, by the way, <laughs> by the way, um, before you get into your by the way, I'm thinking of instituting a by the way counter. Ding. I'm going to click every time one of them says it. By the way, click. <laughs> ding ding ding. Um. Okay. So pineapple, I I have no idea, and I could totally just look this up on the fly, but it sounds like. It sounds like something that uh, the white folks say, okay, this is a fruit, and it looks and feels like a pine cone, so we're calling it a pineapple. Is that 
Is that where it comes from? Makes sense. Because it doesn't look like an apple. It looks like a pine cone. It doesn't taste like an apple, but it's a fruit. And what's the one of the first fruits anyone any white person ever thinks of? An apple. So, I don't know. I'll look it up later. But well, I mean, I had enough time to Google while you were doing <laughs> that. Uh, so uh, let's see. Name pineapple by European explorers due to its resemblance to a pine cone. In many countries, however, the prized fruit has a name similar to ananas that comes from the Tupi word nanas, meaning excellent fruit, which seems Mm -hmm. kind of boastful, if you ask me. I mean, I guess it's accurate. Everybody loves pineapple, right? I thought that was the native word for a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) Has anybody, have have you guys ever, ever... Just bought a pineapple and yeah, brought it home it's and a pain sliced in the it ass. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's it's yeah. massive pain in the ass. And I'm sure we'll get some life hack it buddy tips on that, but mm-hmm. Well, see so you start with a you start with a two liter bottle and you cut off the end and then you slide it up never mind. Um no, that would be a Leviathan through fruit. Leviathan. <laughs> right. right, right, right. Uh anyway, thank you, Asian listener number five again. Really, it was nice to see a, a sort of sincere conversation come out of a through your phone moment mm-hmm. uh just to note that uh as you hear this i will be on my way to chicago i am not doing wait wait don't tell me but i will be in chicago <laughs> for work all week well, for a conference now to be fair you never know what might happen if they That's need true. an emergency it, panelist don't take yourself out of the conversation if somebody gets sick or misses their flight out of bellingham and then uh i you know alonzo bolden uh is not available or whatever, whoever their other backup Chicago people are. I'll, I'll shoot Peter Sagal an email. I'll say, remember that I got your autograph on dirty dancing to him nights. Well, I'm going to be in town. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I would be more than happy to come bluff the listener. Uh, now I'll be in Chicago for work, the league of American orchestras conference. Uh, and therefore, if anyone would like to rescue me from the League of American Orchestras conference, please let me know. I've posted in the Chicago Tens page, and I think we're considering uh, a trip to Alice's for karaoke, probably Friday night, which is uh, a, an old standby for Tens. And uh, boy, I think Mike at one point even had an embarrassing video of me doing karaoke at Alice's. Um, I have I have a couple videos of you, different spots, I think. <laughs> so well, that's ominous. if you ever wonder why. If you ever wonder why I'm so nice to Mike, uh, that's why. And with that, we'll get started with our Week in Review with Monday 2554, Upsetting and Uncanny. And Luke, if you can hear this, Andrew has just stepped away for a moment. (laughs) That was unnerving. Yeah, it was. I thought about trying to rig up something for when you guys uh, popped on today to record, but I'm not smart enough to figure out how to have that play back to you guys without a soundboard so i think it was too what was unnerving about it to me it was it was too frequent you know there was no pause there was no music it was just he it came again too fast for me for me it's just that it was in andrew's voice like if he had had the computer voice say something that would almost be less weird than mm-hmm. having andrew repeating in your voice in his ears saying that Andrew's not there well Uh and there was no self-doubt and flagellation and wondering if this was the right thing to say so it sounded very strange (laughs) 
Yeah, you're right. They should. He should put a music bed under it. He should have recorded it like a commercial for Quip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get to um, how was your weekend talk? Andrew went to a Mariners game, had tickets in a suite, but got there really early for batting practice. Uh, had a bunch of beers. And then had a giant sausage to absorb the beer, which he defended was for the roll to absorb the beer, not the sausage. Sure, uh, sure, stuffed sure. himself and then went up to the suite where he just suddenly realized there would be free food. Yeah, he'd never been in a suite before, but don't haven't you seen one in a movie or on television or heard tell of a suite? <laughs> right. <laughs> the legend, the glory, <laughs> the legend of, of the suite. Yes, that's one of the major things. Food. I, I think he just gets so excited when he gets to the ball field that his inner what? child takes over. They have a program here. One of the television stations does batting practice buddies where you can enter to have your kid get to go down and hang out on the field during batting practice and like have your picture taken with Joe Maurer or whoever. And uh, cool. I just sort of see Andrew wanting to be a part of that, you know, like sitting on the sidelines with his hot dog. And he's just so excited to see everybody. I hear it. But the rest of that program has been booked out for the year by Ichiro. (laughs) (laughs) That's hurtful. The stuff they're saying about Ichiro. Yeah. Well, you know, they are sort of just letting him do whatever he wants now. Right. He's just sort of hanging out, getting paid, not taking up a spot on the 40 man. It's like take your dad to work day. He's so tiny. He doesn't take up much room. Oh, we should have a take your parents to work day. No, we shouldn't. I'd kill my mother if I brought her to work. <laughs> uh, Luke notes, uh, remembers a time that he almost skipped a, a party at Bean's house that he was invited to, but he did end up going. And he was glad he did because he found out when he got there that it was actually catered. And I think with a valet, it was like a big deal house party. Uh, that included a TBTL-themed menu item. So he was full, but at least he showed up. I want to channel Mike for a minute here and just say, Luke, you dummy. Why would you ever skip a dinner at Bean's house? You mean, yeah, Bean's mansion on Vashon? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he ain't going to do anything halfway, for sure. This is how rich people throw house parties. I guess it's because some of them are like my donor types and will throw things for us for work once in a while. This is not unusual for them to have catering staff and support staff all come in and just do all the actual work. And Bean is sneaky rich. Like he's friendly (laughs) and down to earth, but he's definitely rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Then we get Chris Hayes, speaking of people who are probably sneaky rich, uh, coming on to... Just chat. Uh, There's some Chicago and Steely Dan talk at the start, followed by some conversation about how great his wife, Kate Shaw, is. And she really is. If you haven't heard the episode of Why Is This Happening with Chris Hayes that has Kate on it, you should go listen to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he takes some digs at Luke on his recent Twitter beef debacle. Oh, that's my favorite (laughs) moment of the week. Very, very, very subtle digs. Yeah. (laughs) But Camaro Kev's in his corner. Big time. Oh, well, good for that. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I wonder how many shots Luke had to buy Camaro Kev to get him into get oh, him Jesus. into his corner. Well, you know, it's what friends are for. Yeah. Uh, we get some hitchhiking talk. Luke thinks it would be easier for them on their hitchhiking odyssey if one of them was a woman. 
like the odds of getting picked up would be better. I don't know okay. about one of them. You think if they were both women, if Thelma and Louise I, were on the side well, of the women, road? Well, women are going to have a better, an easier time getting rides. For oh, sure. yeah, it's also because, safer for them, too. No, no, it's totally unsafe, <laughs> but but that I would only consider picking up a woman if I, she looked like she was in trouble or something. Right. You know? I actually feel really bad about something I saw about a week ago. There's a Duncan down the street from my office, because it's Boston. There's a Duncan down the street from every office, and... There's a little parking lot and a couple other restaurants. And this is a pretty busy neighborhood that, that I'm in at work. And there was a, a young woman in the parking lot with her suitcase, like a big rolling suitcase and a second bag and, and probably a couple of other, like a purse. And she had her suitcase in the parking lot, in a parking spot open. And she was just tearing through it like she lost something as I was walking to Duncan. And then as I was walking back... She was still going at it, going through like another bag and had all of her stuff out. And Mm -hmm. I was on the fence about asking her if she needed anything or if I should intervene. Because on one hand, I didn't want to be like the weird guy who's walking up and going to get pepper sprayed (laughs) by this woman. She's got her keys between her knuckles while she's searching. Right. Uh, But on the other hand, I was just like, it's hot out. I don't know what the situation is here. I didn't end up doing anything and she was gone later. So I guess it was okay, but I couldn't tell if she was a normal person who was having a rough moment or a crazy person who was just living a crazy life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are exceptions to every rule, you know, picking up a woman that seems to be in distress would, I said that would be probably the only time I would pick someone up. There's, there's your Aileen Warnos is out there. um, That'll make you pay for that kind of decision. But uh, but in in general, yeah, I mean, I, th- that's that's what's kind of I'm hung up on this a little bit. Um, Lucas really married to this idea of hitchhiking. And I think it goes back to like his love of dive bars or, or in, in like terrible bowling alleys where, you know, uh, at least half the clientele is scary. It's an adventure thing for him. He's indulging something. But what he's really getting is a taste of of a world of people that largely are in distress mm-hmm. and it, it feels like gawking to me and I've, so i don't have the same problems that a lot of people have with the hitchhiking thing i mean i think it's it's silly and i think they're gonna have a really hard time getting rides from from non-tens because they're they're two grown men one of which looks like a mountain man he's <laughs> the nicest guy ever would never hurt you but they don't know that so um, my, my main, my main problem is it, it seems like the cultural appropriation is the wrong thing because nobody who's in the, the, the hitchhiking out of necessity culture probably likes being in it. Um, I'm, and there are exceptions to that too. I know there's some people love hitchhiking. It's very utilitarian for them and it saves a lot of money, but it's really fallen out of favor. And more often than not, the people you see out there are people whose lives are not going well. Mm-hmm. And you know, do I want to be out there? You know, I, it doesn't. I, mocking is too strong a word, but I might go get a taste of that hobo lifestyle. Right. I don't know. Right. It feels bad to me. Mm-hmm. Makes me feel bad. They're they're dilettantes in a world they can easily enter and leave, and that other people mm-hmm. can't. Right. Yeah, I'm backpedaling a little bit on 
my thinking that this will all be okay because the tens will take care of it only because Luke doesn't seem to be embracing the tens who would want to take care of it. <laughs> like, I think if Luke just said, Hey, if you guys want to set up a sign up board, this would be done in no time. Uh, but it was on, I think Friday's show. And a ton of fun too. A ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Think, the tens. We could get these guys all around the country. They could basically just crowd surf a digital audience of podcast listeners all around, yeah. you know, and, and we would get them anywhere they wanted to be. Uh, I think it was Friday when Luke said something about how they might be a little bit vague about where they are from day to day. So it might be hard for tens to track them down. Right. And and that's like Andrew with his address. Doesn't want to tell <laughs> us where he is, but doesn't mind sending a picture of the nail salon next door and the <laughs> name, you know, the architecture firm downstairs. Well, but I think uh, Luke did make a good point about that. It's all the people on the Stens page who are like, we'll, we'll just drive and find them and pick them up, is that these people aren't very well-intentioned, but perhaps don't realize the scale of the United States. Mm-hmm. Right. The idea yeah. that you're just going to drive around until you find them is fairly ridiculous. So I think that you're right. If Luke is not going to play along with it, there's no way that it can happen. Right. All he has to do is be like a food truck on Twitter and just post every few hours where they're going to be or where they are. Mm -hmm. And this would be easy because the tens who live in that region, I'm sure the ones who want to help will be at the ready and or would be. And it you don't need more than a few people to make this happen. Yeah, no, I I totally have have offered it to them. There are enough of us out there who are just crazy enough to go drive eight hours (laughs) To get them and take them somewhere. Yeah, to drive them for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and also support staff. Like, you know that there's a bunch of us who would be tracking this minute by minute and making sure that people are going in the right place. And, you mm-hmm. know, when you hike the Appalachian Trail, one of the tricks to take care of yourself. You mean have an affair? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're the governor and you're sleeping with someone. Now, uh, when you actually hike the Appalachian Trail... <laughs> You uh, send packages ahead or you have someone ship packages to the next place you're going to stop so that you can resupply. Mm -hmm. And if if we knew what they were going to be every day or what their goals were every day, they could have parties of tens with supplies ready to greet them, which would also help them with their their load, things they're carrying. Just this could be something so great. And it's. Not their baseball mitts and their giant uh, their giant picture heads and all the things that that they were. Right. If they would agree, they've given so much thought. If they would agree to be collaborative on this to make this a group project, it could totally be fun and successful. But they're so determined to do this on their own that I think, well, maybe it'll still be magic to watch them find their way. But I think it could be a big party if they let everybody else participate. Yeah. And there might be some regrets when they're roadside and it's hour three of not getting a ride and it's 95 degrees with a hundred percent humidity and they're carrying a bunch of baseball mitts around the country. <laughs> it's just baseball Let's mitts. Let's have a catch. Tape recorder. Mixing beef board. Beef sticks. It really is like uh, an eight year old is running away. This is the boy version of, of a bundle of bananas going to the shrubs. I, I, I think Carrie might actually be angry enough to where she might not want him to come home. At this point, she's not happy about this at all. (laughs) Well, it's all right. If he loses his passport, it's going to take him like a week to drive back from Mississippi. So 
Uh, enough on, well, I won't say enough on hitchhiking because Andrew tells the story of the time he got a ride home from the liquor store in college from a lady who was clearly going through some stuff and wanted some company. Well, that lady's playing with fire. Yeah. Little does Andrew realize he could have gotten laid. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he understood cues back then. Andrew never realizes when he could have gotten laid. No, no, he does not. He does not. Uh, for a peek behind the curtain, guys. Except on sex day, he does know that that's coming. It's on the calendar. Right. We're working on some new merch. We have a t-shirt design in progress that we're really excited about. And uh, we were trying to come up with a a tagline that embodies Andrew that fits into this theme of this shirt. I don't want to spoil it. But I was just wondering how you encapsulate in a phrase your best friend making up with two girls at the other end of your bed. <laughs> and not leaving. Right. That's the, that's the worst part of that story is like, um, if you ever need a cue to leave somewhere, that's a huge one. Uh, and Luke retells the story of the time that they uh, got a ride from a guy in a shitty Mustang to a rave in the outskirts of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And the, the Mustang had a screwdriver in the steering column, so he either stole it or he rented it from Fox Rent-A-Car. <laughs> right. Yeah. Got a good rate. Yeah. We get an email from listener Sharon. It kicks off some playlist talk for this uh, adventure, uh, including the recommendation for moving right along from the Muppet movie. I, I may have to... St- I mean... I don't dislike the Muppets, but I may have to stop listening to the show if they're going to play that multiple times an episode. I love that song. Bobby, you I are just, an old man. It's just the overload of that song. That will get really old really fast. I'm on Bobby's page. If I'm watching the Muppets, I'm, I enjoy the songs. But on their own, just list, listening to Muppet audio, that's right. not... See, that was a song where I think I first learned about sight gags when they're singing the line about the fork in the road of their journey, and then they come to a literal fork stuck in the road, a giant fork in the road, whatever my so like, there you go. six-year-old brain was like, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. Right. You had the visual. Mm-hmm. But yeah, exactly. It doesn't work on an audio medium. I mean, so many things don't on this show, but this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I will W-M-M-S. concede to you. Uh, I will concede to you that Jim Henson and Frank Oz are not the best singers. Yes. So it's it's not that pleasant to listen to. Yeah. Then just a couple of quick notes. Uh, Luke went to the uh, Sunday Morning Experience podcast uh, 100th episode party, which was also being taped. And there was some conversation about what I've branded the Sunday Morning Experience polygamugs that they're having a hard time <laughs> unloading. So I, I, I like the, the the idea of the Charles Carroll uh, profile and then maybe a family on each side of, of the mug, on either side of the mug. <laughs> See, for every mug you buy, a mug is also sent to your family at the other end of the country. It's like um, right. it's like buying a pair of Toms for a family who needs a coffee mug. Mm-hmm. Just like those those stickers on the back of the minivans, you know, there's a there's a mommy and a daddy and, and however many kids he had with that other family. <laughs> uh, and then they touch on the Rascal Flats version of the Tom Cochran song "Life Is a Highway," 
Um, which I knew was going to happen. And yeah, this is going to be a long couple of weeks. I've avoided Rascal Flat successfully for so many years. And, and the reason that I've tried so hard to avoid it, and this, uh, you know, this week was the first time I've ever actually laid ears on it is because um, my nephew, who is outside of our current president, probably the worst person in, in America or in the world. Huge Rascal Flats fan. Huge. Oh. So I knew they had to be terrible. <laughs> I spent too long on Monday. Sorry. Uh, it was just a lot to unpack there. It was. Yeah. Uh, some of the other days were so light, though, so don't worry about it. All right. All right. We'll just blaze through Tuesday. Number 2655, Dogs, Dogs, and More Dogs. Uh, this episode takes place in the backyard of Burbank Springs, where Luke and Andrew are getting ready to... What is it called? Hot dogs across America. Salute to the American hot dog. Some such, something like that. They're very excited about it. Uh, Andrew wants to start the show with a hot dog story. Um, I was dreading it, but it turned out to be pretty fun in his quest to find <laughs> the deli style hot dogs of his youth. The ones that are made by an actual butcher and linked together like in the cartoons. He went to a place called Claus Meats and it is Claus like Santa Claus. I found out. Did somebody on the Stents page say that? I think so. Um, mm-hmm. Who is a wholesaler like a meat packer or wholesaler uh so he thought he was in the wrong place but then it turned out that they do actually have retail sales and what do you uh, get in your stocking if you're good from klaus meets claus meets mm. and what do you get if you're bad mm. Mm. uh blood pudding sausage if you're Oof. bad <laughs> and if you're good i guess you get the 10 inchers I guess you do get the ten inches, <laughs> but Andrew was saved in this situation by listener Mike, who said that he was literally listening to Luke and Andrew on Team ETL, and then spotted Andrew and did a double take and was like, "What?" So Mike hooked him up with some uh, great hot dogs. Andrew seems to say that they weren't exactly the exact same exact ones of his childhood. I think he's holding on a little bit too tight to that, but they were some great hot dogs and I guess they're going to test them when they record the hot dog thing. So that was really fun. I enjoyed that running into a listener in the wild. Now, wait about the hot dog story. Let's go back to the hot dog story and the hot dog program. That's, that's mine. I came up with hot dog story. (laughs) Where's my cut of this? These riches that they're going to get when the Rhode Island <laughs> station picks them up. That was the Rochester station, although I'm glad that they're conflating um, stations <laughs> if my story sure. was WXXI sure. in Rochester, which is an AM station. It's the NPR affiliate of my youth that picked There's up. There's got to be a nickel in there for me from KXXI. W. When they pick this thing up. Sorry, WXXI. Yeah, you should get a free hot dog. You should get hot dog royalties. I would take that. I just would take a, that. Wouldn't even need to be a ten incher. No, nah, you get a little smoky. <laughs> it's just your your cut. Or just give me a ten incher. I don't have to eat it all at once. Let's move on to dazzling donor. We don't usually feature the dazzling donors, but uh, this was so amazing <laughs> from Linder. 
And her imaginary friend, the master of ceremonies, who doesn't wear pants. Yeah. This is delightful <laughs> and extremely disturbing. And uh, they talked about, I guess, on Thursday, maybe, uh, the thread in the Stens page that sprang up of everybody else sharing their imaginary friends. I didn't have an imaginary friend. I don't know why. Hmm. Not, neither I don't think did I. I did either. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, thanks for that, Linder, because that was awesome. That was a really fun conversation I, they got out of that. Like the the initial image, I mean, you, you kind of get creeped out, like you got this imaginary friend with no pants. But I'm going to turn that around and say that the fact that this guy, this imaginary friend, got away with wearing no pants must have been that he was really non-threatening. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the nicest guy in the world, just like, oh, it's just quirk. He just doesn't, he always forgets his pants. He just doesn't you know. wear pants. I assume he wears underwear, right? Yeah, he has boxers on. Yeah. Okay. That was established, I think. I, and this is, uh, it's like the, f- what, full tuxedo and then just no pants. Sure. Yeah, and, and boxers, let, let's face it. If someone's going to walk around pantsless, boxers are the best choice as long as they're, they're you know, buttoned in Button front. fly, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you saw someone in, in a uh, tuxedo or a suit and then, you know, crime fighters on, <laughs> no. No, 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 no. But at a passing just, glance, the boxers could be shorts or swim trunks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Well, and I envisioned this in, in my mind's eye. The Master of Ceremonies is wearing like like oversized white boxers with red hearts on them or something. Like something very <laughs> of course. Like colorful and ostentatious and and so absurd that that it's okay. It's not like they're just a pair of Hanes or something. I'm picturing like a Michael Buffer type situation too. It's like whenever he's ready to make an announcement, the microphone just drops out of the sky. Of course. And he announces what's coming up next in Linder's day. Did you see that he announced, I think it was the the game one lineup for the Stanley Cup in Vegas? Yes. It was so awkward. Yeah. It was cool, but it was so awkward. All that stuff that happened in, in Vegas, man, that was... the. That pregame stuff, insane. Uh, it's worth noting, this was a, a a Twitter reference from a couple of guys I like who do a really good hockey podcast. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights went 0-4 after allowing Imagine Dragons to perform on their ice before the game. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, that's a good stat. That's that. I like that. Yeah. A little bit thin, I would say, but well, we'll you take know, it. <laughs> new gen stats, yeah, love them. Well, let's go on to the top story, which is why we should try to practice self compassion. Boy, this got surprisingly deep, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Talking about uh, how our default is to be so unkind to ourselves, and uh, how self criticism can lead to uh, unhelpful rumination depression, anxiety, substance abuse, inflammation, and a shortened lifespan. And so practicing self-compassion supports motivation and positive change. And um, uh, this is where Andrew gets into some real talk about some of the emotions that he has been experiencing. Uh, 
admits for the first time, I don't know, I shouldn't say admit because that makes it sound like it's something shameful, which it isn't, but states publicly for the first time that he is thinking that he probably should see a therapist, to which I would say conservatively 10,000 people listening said, oh, thank God. It's about time, friend. <laughs> nobody, nobody said, uh, nobody was out there going, eh, I don't know. I think you can probably work this out. <laughs> really? Yeah. You think you need therapy? Hmm. You'll be a, you could be all right. Your life is good. You should, you should just <laughs> be happy. Yes. Um, he, uh, he says he's had some thoughts and feelings lately that he considers to, or he can, he compares to poison going through his brain. Uh, like having an outsized reaction to forgetting to bring his recorder to uh, Luke's house, which we find out later that he didn't actually forget. He just put it in a different pocket or something, uh, which is maybe worse than forgetting it entirely. But how he just beat himself up for forgetting this one thing. And, uh, and then he talked about this driving confrontation that he had. I get so nervous whenever he starts talking about... Uh, things that happen, incidents when he's driving because of his road rage history. Um, something weird happens to his brain when he gets in a car. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. two women who honked at him and had attitude and he had this reaction of poison afterwards, which he characterizes as dark darkness, anger, and putrid hatred inside him. And he minimizes that a little bit and talks about how Within a few minutes or a few hours, he was able to kind of back away from those emotions and talk to himself about how they weren't commensurate with the the gravity of the situation, but obviously things that are still uh, worrying him. So I, yes, I support this therapy wholeheartedly, Andrew. He has a character inside of him that reminds me of a, of a, it was, you know, it was a comedic character that that my friend Bill used to do. He started it in college and, uh, and it was like someone having an inner dialogue, just a nice person like Andrew is. And like Bill is just offering some help or, or, um, you know, um, just trying to pleasantly make, make your way through life. But then he would voice the inner dialogue. was like, shut up. You're stupid. Nobody wants to talk to you. Go away. You, you're the worst. Everybody hates you. And that Andrew has a little bit of that in him. You know, it's like therapy is really the only way to to get over that, I think, because because we've already told him how much we like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows how much we like him, how much we love him. And he's the thoughts are still there. He's got to work it out inside himself because because the external cues that he's getting from everyone aren't doing it right Mm -hmm. and um one of the things that my therapist said once that's always stuck with me is that nobody can hate themselves into loving themselves you can't do it and so that constant self-criticism uh which Anne raises hand right here is a part of your every day uh you you can't make anything positive out of that you have to learn Mm -hmm. to let it go and that's something that i struggle with every goddamn day and it's what keeps me in therapy and what keeps me on medication and there's no shame in any of it and Mm -hmm. i think the the silliness 
is in not seeking help. And I didn't seek help for a long, long time because God damn, it's hard to get that vulnerable with a stranger and tell somebody all the things that you're too scared to tell anybody else in your life. I, after I uh, graduated from college and I, you know, obviously had to stop seeing my first therapist since I saw him through the school, I didn't go back to therapy for uh, 12 or 13 years because the idea of starting over with a new person was so overwhelming to me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a terrible, hard thing to do. And it's also one of the best things that I've done. So I um and nobody can do it before they're ready, right? Mike, you would say that about addiction. Nobody can quit until they're ready. All the well-meant mm-hmm. counseling in the world from your friends and family is not going to convince you to do it unless you are ready to do it. So I guess we can just support him silently and wait for him to be ready. I think he's close. I think he's getting there. I mm-hmm. do too. I think it's helpful that Luke's so open about talking about his own therapy too, because he really normalizes that very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, one of the yeah, other you things- don't deserve therapy. You're the worst. <laughs> you idiot! What a waste such- of money. You're a waste of skin. <laughs> um, the the other thing that came out of the article was that uh, when you talk to yourself, you should pretend that you are comforting your friend. And the way that my therapist characterizes it is. Talk to yourself like you were talking to a young child. You would never be so verbally abusive to a child as you are to yourself. So uh, keep that in mind and um, try and be gentle. Yeah. Well, not anymore since the state came in. Uh, Right. I just, I didn't have that much to add to this conversation. So I thought I'd chime in with a terrible (laughs) joke. Um, As someone who doesn't, see a therapist but have always thought that it was a perfectly reasonable and probably good idea for most people to at some point just have someone they can talk to who has an outside perspective on life on your life and also who is trained in helping you work through those thoughts analytically i mean this is very logical i mean this is just like having an editor for something you write like it makes absolute sense to me to have someone who's unbiased and thoughtful to bounce things off of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if they're, they're trained to be receptive to that, that's even better. Um, what was that quote again? Ann? I wrote down, uh, nobody can hate themselves into loving themselves. Yep. I got that right. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that. Yeah. It's really good. If I make, if I make that the show title, will it be the most sincere show title we've had in 329 episodes? Quite possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing, one last thing I'll say about therapy, because I don't want to sit here and be like, well, my therapist says like 90 times. But one of the things that she said to me when we started working together to help me understand what therapy was about was uh, she said that when you think of thought, it actually sort of grooves a physical channel in your brain. And the more you think it, the deeper the path gets grooved like when you walk through a field in the same spot over and over again eventually you wear a path into it and it's a therapist's job to help you step out of that path and find a new channel to walk down with your thoughts i really like that so they're not making you better they're just helping you find a different path Hmm. it was interesting when this happened we had a little conversation in one of our chats and I think I wondered maybe if 
if these guys didn't do this five days a week and if they put more forward thinking into what they were going to say, if it wasn't so off the cuff, I wondered if Andrew would have used the word poison. And you, I think, were quick and to say, no, poison's a perfectly acceptable word here. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I can yeah. even tell when it's happening to me, when I'm going into an episode where things are going sideways. And it does. It feels exactly like there's poison spreading through your brain. I felt a little bit of that, too. It's, it's a scary kind of word to use in conjunction with that, but I think it's really accurate. It does feel like that. I have a low level of that also when I'm driving. I don't I don't go as far as, as Andrew does, and I don't do anything with my car or my voice or usually even my horn. But uh, always in my mind, I'm, I'm calling people dummies, just <laughs> almost constantly while I'm driving. Move, dummy. Go, dummy. You know? And what is that? Why, why do I have to do that? Flick a lot know. of people off, actually. Um, do you? The trick to learning how to not use your horn is to drive a Toyota Yaris for several years because the horn <laughs> is so high-pitched and light. Yeah, that you it's just, comical. Yeah, you, you look honka, dumber honka. after. <laughs> All right, well, more emotional talk to come this week. Uh, let's end Tuesday with this tangent from the Stewbot. Um uh, this viral tweet that he posted with the uh, rural Minnesota uh, town Obit that uh, now it has over 20,000 retweets. That was pretty funny. I, it was on NPR. I think it got picked up by CNN, maybe. Everybody's um, showing off Stubot's tweet. And Luke, of course, is jealous. You know, he's happy for Stubot, but... Boy, does he wish that was him. And he goes into a long story about how if he could just tweaked one word on his tweet about the FBI agent who did the dance move and accidentally fired his gun, a dumbass, that his tweet probably could have gone viral too. And I'm like, <laughs> you should keep telling yourself that, Luke. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, on to Wednesday, 2656. Popular science. There's an email right uh, right after the opening or in the opening, imploring them to not hitchhike, and I think that's that's just the general consensus. And we already talked about most of that. There's an uh, audio apology up front, which is uh, he's Luke's apologizing for some audio glitch that I didn't hear, and so that's always a good way to start the show. Uh, Andrew has regrets about his fast talking because he was listening to the show on Tuesday, probably because he wanted to hear what he actually said about <laughs> his um, mm -hmm. his mental health issues. Uh, but I didn't feel like he was talking particularly fast. So it's just think about that when uh, when you have Aaron Mason on again. Oh, better yet, just don't have Aaron Mason on again. <laughs> <laughs> This week's Livewire will feature feature Mike Pesca and Prom Queen, so Luke's very excited about that, especially since he thinks he kind of had a dud of a show the week before. And he comes; he's very proud of the fact that they have sold out their entire season of Livewire, um, but he does admit that a lot of the shows are being held in a uh, postage stamp size uh, venue, which Isn't caters it a bar? to their yeah, caters yeah, to like their fam base. <laughs> which I I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. 
um, it makes it sound like there's more. I, I can't do a Australian or New Zealand accent. Anyway, <laughs> um, I have Pesca's so books. What? Pesca's book is sitting right in front of me on my desk. I I told Sam I started buying books again, and my goal is to remember to learn how to read as well as remember how to learn how to ride a bike. <laughs> And so right. I don't know what I'm going to get Step to. Step one, it, get the book. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Mike Pesca, upon further review, the greatest what ifs in sports history. We like Mike. We're hoping to have him on the show someday. So uh, go buy his book. Maybe if we get enough tens who buy his book, we can, or Wagoneers, we can get him on LRB to talk about it. The thing about, about Mike is he will do the show. He did take down, but getting him, Actually, getting him on the line is is very difficult because we we got him set up to go for that for that takedown episode, and then you know we had a time set and we had every, everything all set, and then nothing, just nothing. And then about thirty five minutes after we had decided to do it, uh, he 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 came in, yeah. And you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought for a minute I thought we weren't even going to have a show this week, so. He's just just so super busy with well, all I think his stuff. So. The first time we asked him about coming on LRB was way back uh, around the time of the election. Mm-hmm. And it sort of seemed like, yeah, after the election, when things calm down and go back to normal, we can find a little time. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, right. So I give him a pass he's on done 7,000 straight shows about, about the president. Yep. <laughs> Uh, let's see the, the waterbed story. There's the shooting oh more God. on the waterbed story. <laughs> the story that would not die. Uh, just wait until he, be good news for that guy, I guess. Just wait until he sleeps on a waterbed and then wakes up and drinks a pina colada and they all come together. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're very committed to these stories that never seem to air. Um, Luke uh, falls on his jog, but he does a he does a nice fall. And the reason that uh, this resonates with me is one of the things that we talk about when I when I go um, get my leg and leg adjusted is uh, knowing how to fall because it's going to happen because you know my balance isn't a hundred percent won't ever be a hundred percent what it used to be so. You know, and falling as as someone who is in their advancing years is a dangerous thing. So, um, luckily, having having uh, played a lot of sports as a youth, I've fallen a lot. I have a lot of experience falling. My last fall was bunny related, and uh, <laughs> I suffered no serious injuries on that one, too, because I I felt like I I, I fell properly. But um, but it's it's very true. The older you get, the more you think about falling. Bobby, when you were on that bike, was it crossing your mind at all ever? Oh, I was terrified. <laughs> I just, yeah, I I think that's what some of the shoulder payment, like you were tensing up. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just you know, and it's it's not like it's a it's not like a super fancy road bike or anything either. It's a mountain bike hybrid. Like even when I bought it, I bought it for tooling around the neighborhood. I I'm not speed riding or I didn't even really mm-hmm. go into traffic. Like, and I know I should be in the traffic lane or adjacent to the traffic lane. And I felt like a jerk riding around on the sidewalk when I got out to the main no, streets, but I'm like, no, I'm don't too, feel like I can't, a jerk. no, I'm, this is, I need to, I, if they put training wheels on adult bikes, I would have one. I have them. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Yeah, the first time you get on it, I mean, you do remember how to ride a bike. That's why the cliche is the cliche. But, but uh, you know, until you get a little speed going, you know, you're, you're a little, little wobbly. A little iffy here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've noticed that um, for me, I get more nervous walking in the winter around here in the snow. If there's mm-hmm. snowfall and it's a little icy and I'm... Um, you know, walking like the crevasse might crack underneath my feet at any minute. And I work on a university campus, and so all these 19-year-olds are, like, skipping past me. Da-da-da, <laughs> they don't care that there's ice all over the sidewalk. And I'm like, yeah. but what about my hip if I fall? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have hips at stake yeah. here. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Andrew is ashamed. It's a rare combination. Andrew is ashamed of his large lunches, but proud of his ability to clean a plate. Um, these are really at odds. Um, but uh, we get there because uh, Luke Luke decided to slide into an Applebee's because it was the only thing open in uh, Bellingham after 10. And he felt less shame getting his steak well done there than he would in a steakhouse, which... I guess I kind of understand because the people in the steakhouse, I mean, it's a, it's a culture of steak and Applebee's is just a culture of, you know, mm-hmm. where, to, where are we going to take all the kids to go get some bottomless fries after, after the game or something? Sure. At the steakhouse, they get a, you know, a couple of cows and carve them up and in Applebee's, they get some shrink wrapped fillets of something. Yeah. Along Never with the... falls off the FSA truck. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and one of the, one of the best one of the best spoofs on Wednesday or of the whole week were them spoofing Phyllis's sunny attitude as if it, her Phyllis's uh, persona is is all a lie, and <laughs> and that she's actually a very mean mean spirited person. Well, oh, we yeah. can confirm that. Yeah. We've seen yeah, in the chat. Edges. You should hear her. I mean, yeah. she's terrible. I mean, terrible. And oddly racist. I don't know how she <laughs> pulls that off. I just don't. It's really confusing. But I'm scared of her, so I'm never going to ask after, you know, ask after it. Right. Top story. Poop jogger in Australia. I know. Uh, and you, you always hate it when they skip the top story. But this time you probably would have been good with it. Can we wall off the poop talk? Somebody on the Stens page was it's saying... It's not hard to... We wall off the sports. Could we wall off the right. music? And I'm like, while we're walling things off, I have a couple <laughs> of suggestions. While we're walling. <laughs> yeah. I, I would just say this. Um, if you're looking for suspects in in uh, poop jogging, the, the guy or the, the gal carrying a roll of toilet paper in their hand... <laughs> Suspect number one, or number what? two, as it were. Oh, God. What got me about this talk was for the first time, Luke and Andrew were like, well, maybe there's more to it than he just had to go number two on his jog. I mean, maybe there's some deeper issues at play here. And I was like, you think? <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a. There's got to be some kind of a thrill. Like, like I, I don't want to speak for Bobby, but... Um, for guys, sometimes peeing outdoors is pretty cool. It feels good. <laughs> well, the breeze know. on your yam bag. If there's a, you know. God damn it, I have to reset the counter. 
uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I I don't know about thr- I don't know that I get this twinge of liberation, but uh, I don't know when you're camping. There's something um, uh, freeing for not having to walk all the way over to wherever the the train is or whatever to just take a piss in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Also, yeah, uh, but the number two, not so much. No, not so much because you might end up with with what JD from the Sack of Dimes podcast once famously uh, fixed for himself was that a a poop hammock. He thought he'd his, his he had cleared his underwear out of the way, but he ended up pooping <laughs> right into his his crime fighters right right there in the woods. So that's no good. You don't want to be doing that. Yeah, uh, I will oh, say okay. when you have yep. to. Mm. Yeah, and I know just. We're almost done. Okay. Uh, when you when you have to pee at night and you're camping, you realize the distance is a real difference. During the day, you'll go a hundred yards clear into the woods to make sure that you can't mm-hmm. even see any sight of civilization. And after dark, it's like, where's the closest tree to the tent? Yeah. 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 Three feet into the woods <laughs> is enough. That's plenty. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, they talk about leftovers, and Luke talks about how he has no middle gear when he gets his feed going on leftovers. And I kind of, I'm kind of the same way, you know, once you you're in the fridge and you're like, like we made this chicken couscous the other day and uh, I was fixing some for Emily and I wasn't even hungry. But then I was like, while I was fixing it, I was like, Hmm, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then I started looking into the cabinets and fridge for more stuff. And I'm like, I ended up totally full after I was already full because I, I don't know. I, part of it is, is um it's got to be some sort of a, a survival instinct or whatever but it's cheapness to me too it's like <laughs> oh yeah we need to we need to finish this we need to finish that you know and even if the stuff we don't finish we make sure that that it's part of the dog's meal right you know i just don't want to throw anything away that's for sure i would say i have no middle gear as far as cereal goes in my brain, oh, yeah. one bowl of cereal is good, so five bowls of cereal is oh, even yeah. better. That's why I don't keep cereal oh, I, in the I house. I get out the comically large bowl, you know, because <laughs> I don't want to keep getting up and going back. I just get the comically large bowl of cereal going, and and uh, and I, I cut up a banana in it to just tell myself that it's it's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very healthy what I'm doing here. I had some fruit. I had like five slices of fruit. Ginger ate the rest, and and then I had. About roughly three pounds of cereal. Um, the the MVH kind of got thanked at the end of the show. Uh, she didn't she didn't send in a message. I think she's given up on that because they they never thank her anyway. So why do the work? Right. But they they finally thanked her this year, but they called her Meredith Van Horn. I'm so proud of her though because she she had them play one of my favorite songs in the world, the song that. Cool and the Gang famously didn't play at the Petroleum Ball, which is ridiculous because the video is set at at a ball. It's a Cinderella-themed video, Fresh by Cool and the Gang. Mm -hmm. Fresh, so fresh, exciting. We sing that song a lot around here, and and trust me, the dogs don't care for it very much (laughs) when I sing. They probably didn't play Fresh at the Petroleum Ball because no one in that room would have ever allowed their servant siblings to come to the Petroleum Ball. That's true. Of course not. That's true. and take the risk that the prince might pick them instead. Right. Right. And there are literal oil, you know, oil baron princes, I imagine, at the petroleum ball. I'm sure there were. Saudi princes and the like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought 
it's kind of interesting, you know, how mad you can get on behalf of a friend. Because when my thanks got skipped, I didn't particularly care. I mean, I was more like, well, what do you expect? But when they pronounced Meredith's name wrong, I was like, God damn it. What is wrong with you people? I was just outraged. And she's chill about it. Yeah. Yeah. She's chill about it. And then you and Christy are just super mad because of your own experiences, I think, partly. And then because I haven't been a donor in a while, I was like, eh, they'll probably fix it. Plus, she keeps changing her name. So she's got to knock that off. (laughs) Well, who's going to remember your name when you keep changing it? They can still pronounce it right. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's an phonetic. A looks a lot like an O. I mean, it does. Looks yeah. like a little bit All right. You yeah. keep making excuses for them. We'll go on to Thursday. <laughs> That's my job. 2657. <laughs> <laughs> Here come the consequences, which I would have called a visit from the karma fairy. Because <laughs> I wrote in my notes, karma has finally paid Luke a visit after all of his <laughs> shenanigans in uh, as far as his air travel goes. <laughs> It did sound like he had a whole bunch of things come together at once on him. So Carmel mm-hmm. was like, oh, all right, we're going to take care of this now. Um, let's see. He had to reschedule the Bellingham flight because there was a mechanical error that was going to take four hours to fix. So he would uh, miss the Seattle flight to Chicago where he had a first class seat. And so he realized that he would have to reschedule the... Seattle flight, which he did, and then the Bellingham flight was like, oh, just kidding, we're going to board now, and he quick tried to get the first class seat back, but it was too late. Uh, He had also changed the Bellingham flight, but he was able to change that back, and then he ended up being stuck for an evening in Seattle. Uh, He got pissed at Alaska Airlines because they would not let him check his bag six hours early for the flight. Come on, Luke. (laughs) I got this flight next Monday, and I, I'm not going to have time to get back to my house before then. Could you just keep it here for me and then throw it on the plane on Monday? No, we're not going to do that. No, I don't. No. I don't trust them to get my bag anywhere ever when I check it. I would mm-hmm. not trust checking it early and just being like, "Oh yeah, could you just stick this somewhere for a few hours and then make yeah, sure just it gets put to the it right in the corner?" City? And then mm-hmm. you're never going to see that bag again. Don't be. Nope. That would be ridiculous. So he's irritated that he has to haul his bag around with him all evening as he goes to get drunk with Andrew before a flight. I Look, getting drunk on the airplane is one thing, but getting drunk before you even get to the airport, that just seems to be introducing some potential complications. <laughs> Let's go ahead and impair right. yourself before you have to travel, Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he goes back at midnight and the security line is super long because, of course, they only have one line open at midnight and no pre-check which makes him mad because as we know the thing that annoys luke more than anything else is a loss of status whether it be that first class seat or having to go through the security line with the plebes uh and there was no way for him to like sneak through security which was really a sentence that upset me somewhat if there is a way to hack the security line i don't feel real great about the tsa you probably shouldn't feel great about the TSA anyway. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> then he got to the gate and they wouldn't let him take his 
bag on the plane because they said they revised the size guidelines and his bag is now too big and he doesn't understand why it was okay yesterday and it's not okay today. And I'm like, well, Luke, it's because your bag has expired, obviously. Uh, And to cap that off, then uh, they won't let him gate check it. They're going to send it through to baggage. So he's going to have to go to baggage claim to get it. And when he gets on the flight, the overhead bin above his seat is totally empty. And so he could have put his bag on there. And of course, that's a 20 minute discussion to get through all of this. And he claims that there are a number of other indignities that he's just not even bringing up. I have a a quick cautionary tale about um, getting drunk before going to get on an airplane. This was, um, as as I've talked about before, it's somewhat of a tradition. My brother and and some of my friends from high school, we go to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl every year. And this was was, uh, many years ago now. One of the guys who used to go with us uh, was having an affair. And when we were in Las Vegas, he invited the woman he was having an affair with, who lived, I think, in Salt Lake City, to join us, like to join us for a meal. To join and your group? W- Come yes. on. And and we refused, you know, and and I think my brother told his wife, in fact, I'm sure my brother told my sister-in-law what happened, and then he got busted. Of course, so my brother and this guy no longer talk, but they were they were all really good friends. The wife too, so you know he wasn't going to sit on that information. Why this guy thought it was going to be okay, I don't know. He maybe took those ads, those Vegas ads, too seriously. <laughs> that what happens there stays there, and even some ridiculous uh, cheating on the spouse who's a friend of ours as well. So uh, the rest of the trip, we 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 didn't see the guy. He either holed up with his girlfriend or he went to another hotel or did something. He didn't watch the game with us or whatever. So we, but we knew we'd see him on the flight home because we flew down with him. We drove, we rode to the airport together. So we, we get on the airplane, my brother and I, and um, this guy, Pat, gets on and he is out of his mind drunk. I mean, you can see he can't even, he can barely walk. He gets in his seat and he immediately falls asleep. He sleeps the whole way back. And then they have to like shake him awake when they, when we get to Seattle, and he gets off the plane, gets in a cab, and and goes home to his wife, who's I don't even know how that went down, but he had checked his luggage. He he just left without it. He he left the airport completely without his luggage. So, um, don't don't do any of those things. And one of them <laughs> being uh, get drunk before you board a flight. Get drunk and check your bags and then just forget that you had bags because you're so drunk. My airplane drinking rules are the same as the rules we used to have when I was the editor of my student newspaper. You can't show up drunk. You can leave drunk, but you can't show up drunk. Mm-hmm. What happens when you're in the do. course of the flight, you know, fine. Because it's very hard to get that drunk on a plane. Mm-hmm. People find a way. Oh, yeah. You got to be working hard for it. It's like, hey, uh, two more over here. Can I, you know, it's like, come on now. And this. The only time I ever got really drunk on a plane was when we were going to Detroit for the Super Bowl. And that was a party right. flight. Right. And they if they were doing nothing but going up and down the aisles, just pouring booze down our throat until we ran out somewhere over South Dakota. This is why they deserve chocolates. Because they <laughs> yeah. have to put up with the pats of the world. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, Pat, he was a mess. <laughs> 
Uh, well, the other interesting thing that I took out of this was that Andrew was obsessed with the agent that Luke talked to on the phone when trying to reschedule all these flights and what their attitude was. You know, how apologetic were they? And I was like, how apologetic do you want them to be? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. their fault that the, the flight is delayed or whatever. And I understand the professional contrition uh, as part of your job, but uh, I, I don't know. Um, I think customer service should default to be polite and courteous, but you shouldn't have mm-hmm. to grovel to the customer when something goes wrong. Say, oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Let's get you on a different flight or something. But Andrew has these yeah, very please, weird Please rules. fix the plane. Don't don't be like Southwest. And I, I don't want my face out the window with my ass sticking out and me, me dying. Right. So go ahead. Feel free to do a little maintenance on the plane. That's okay. I'll be a little late. Yep. Yep. And Andrew has always been that way about, you know, how friendly the counter service was or how friendly the person on the telephone was. It makes a very, very, very big deal to him how he is treated in those situations which uh, i that's I mean, why he'd I just... be a good hotel manager so <laughs> uh, that's a good good call for him good look uh, i just I suggest know. that I... he brings that up with the therapist i think that I... would be another good avenue for discussion i think mm-hmm. you guys are wrong i think carol and boise should have put down her headset and gotten on the next plane to bellingham and gotten her toolkit out and fix that yes fix that fucking plane <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly on carol <laughs> Don't you know who I am? <laughs> Don't be I sorry. Do something about it, Carol. <laughs> That's right. God damn it, Carol. All your talk. No action. All right. Well, that was just a moment of sweet justice for yeah. me. I assume for you too, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. If there had been a skateboard accident involved somehow, it would have been even sweeter. But... <laughs> so moving on, Luke says in the context of some conversation I can't remember is that he what he used to think was that guests would be the key to TBTL's success and I remember those days um but at some point he came to the conclusion that what people just wanted to hear was him and Andrew talking and I think that's part excuse because uh, it was really hard for him to be on his grind, so to speak, trying to get the guests all the time. I think he found that very emotionally exhausting, having to be in the position of asker for an interview. Because, you know, Luke, he mm-hmm. always wants to think that he's the cool guy and that he's, you know, on the same status as Doug Baldwin getting his luggage at the airport or anybody <laughs> he comes into contact with that's... That's why he's, you know, not going to ask for a selfie because only fans ask for selfies and he's not a fan. He's a cool guy and having to put himself in the position. Didn't he tell that story about how he was like on Livewire with Jen Kirkman or something and they were just totally hitting it off and having a great time. And he was like, I should ask her to be on TBTL. And then he didn't because he didn't want to diminish his status in front of her. So... He, I think he, in he, retrospect, he probably should have just put on a voice and a persona and acted as as the booker for TBTL, yeah, and that absolutely. would have been an easier thing for him. I mean, Donald Trump was his own publicist for years, so why hey, not uh, Luke? Jen, Jen Kirk, Jen Kirkman, would you uh, would you like to be on Luke Burbank's podcast? Just forget it. It's a stupid idea. She'll <laughs> never want to be on your. 
It's a stupid <laughs> podcast. You're an idiot for asking. So I think that he is using this idea that people want just to hear him and Andrew talk really as an excuse to not have to feel bad about himself for not getting more guests. But I, there is some element of truth that people do want to yeah. listen to Luke and Andrew have a conversation. I would just like a mix of the two. Right. Um, as mm-hmm. we've said many times, the show is always improved. Well, almost always improved. Pat Oswalt and Rachel Dratch excluded by when Neil they Hamburger. have <laughs> guests on the show. I, uh, and Andrew says that he likes to have interviews with their friends on TBTL. And I yeah. totally agree with that. And I think the mistake they make when they get these people on is trying to interview them. I just think if they hung out with them and had them be a part of the show. Like remember when they had Baron Vaughn on and they did top story with him and they ended out talking about sex robots for like half an hour. And it Mm -hmm. was a great show that didn't have anything to do with Baron Vaughn's career. So I think that they should continue to bring on people like Chris Hayes and Camaro Kev and Hanbrooks Olsen who can just be part of the show. Yeah. Just do the show just with, with down people with, yeah. Guess who know what's going on. Just have and they, have a third mic. Leave that chair open. Anyone who wants to drop in. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to talk about your new project at some point, absolutely. I enjoyed hearing about Hari's new ventures. That's great. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, talk about other things. And when I hear a guest on a podcast, if I like them, that's when I'm going to check out their stuff. So just... Give me an idea of your personality and maybe mm-hmm. you'll get a new fan. Um, there's some weird stuff about the last Ira Glass interview with Andrew talking about how weird it was and how he was trying to set up conversations. I actually did not mind that interview at all. I liked it. I thought it was hilarious when Luke said, so are we friends? And then they spent like yeah, 15 minutes talking about whether they were friends. I thought that was great. I think that it was not awkward at all, except for what they made in their own minds. So I would mm-hmm. like Ira to be on the show again. He's always entertaining. He's a weird dude. He is weird and awkward in his own way. And so mm-hmm. that's just what you get when you get Ira Glass. When he's not working off a prepared script that's been heavily edited. You know, he's just weird. Yep. But Andrew needs to have a little bit more self-confidence. Ira Glass knows who you are, Andrew. And if he doesn't, it's okay. It's all right. Mm -hmm. He's still happy to talk to you. That's fine. Ira Glass talks about people like he knows them for a living. That's what he (laughs) does. (laughs) (laughs) He can do this. Um, Okay. Speaking of good TBTL friendos, Chris Hayes tweeted um, a link to Life is a Highway. Because he wanted to inflict his pain upon his fans, I guess. <laughs> they say that pain shared is pain halved. So I guess he was trying to really split his pain up among people. Right. Uh, which takes them into a topic. Uh, um, one person on the thread got hung up about Chris using gift as a verb, as in I gift this to you. Andrew gets hung up on this person getting hung up and Luke gets hung up on Benicula, the vampire rabbit. I maintain that it has never been shown that Benicula was actually a vampire. I mean, there was this rabbit that showed up in a box of dirt in the movie theater 
and then there were vegetables that were mysteriously drained of their juices, but they never caught him at it. So I I don't go there. I think you have to have more definitive proof than that, Luke. So we have Anne for the defense, uh, Benicula. <laughs> I think I was eight when I read The Celery Stalks at Midnight, which I think is the third book in that series. See, there was another uh, uh, educational moment for young Anne, learning about puns and wordplay. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, let's go to something that's more interesting to you guys. I'm sure the top story, question mark, which is that Brian Colangelo has, quote, voluntarily stepped away, unquote, from his job with the 76ers after his wife got busted for indeed being the mystery tweeter. Um, They talk about the whole voluntarily stepped away thing. I had a boss who used to say, if somebody doesn't volunteer for this, then somebody's going to get voluntold. So I think... Mm -hmm. Brian Colangelo was voluntold to resign from his job. And he is now saying that this is all BS because his wife was tweeting the wrong information anyway. So it's proof that he wasn't telling her about it. Oh my goodness. The, this, this was a really interesting story and something that they didn't um, cover in, in this story is that he, she was tweeting um, she was tweeting smack talk about his former team. He was the formerly the GM of the Toronto Raptors and he, he, he slash she, he or she was shit talking the job, the job that they were doing in his, in the wake of his move to, to Philadelphia. And it, it brought up to me the fact that he was a successful GM in Toronto. He was on his way to being a successful GM in Philadelphia. I feel like he can fix his career with a nice quick divorce. Just, <laughs> you know, that's it. I'm single now. Hire me. I'm successful. It'll, everything will be fine. My my wife doesn't say it's fine because I no longer have a wife. That's Well, that's one way to fix it. Well. Yeah. You can just. I mean, what's more important, your career or or your wife? I mean, then you can lose the high collars too. Once you lose the <laughs> wife, you can go back to a regular collar. Well, I mean, the other angle on this is that he is pinning her with all of this. Yep. Uh huh. And is even more a douchebag. Yeah, I think that's really actually. The case. I think that's the case too. I think that they had a conversation behind closed doors where. He said, "Hey, I need you to take this one. Can, can, mm-hmm. can, I know these aren't yours, but can you just hold them?" Yeah. yeah, because because that the plausibility of it at least allows him to probably get another good yeah. job within a few years. Well, and that's if, the... if he if it was all him, it was insane. It was right. such a stupid thing. If he can just lay it off on her, then there's a chance he could keep working. He can get another job. You know, and if he gets another job, that means that he can buy her a house anywhere in the world that she wants, and they can have the same marriage that I think we all assume our president has. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I'll be in a different city marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Right, the estrangement arrangement. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, let's see. Rounding out the episode today, Meredith gets her apology. An angel who was not Meredith wrote in to take the guys to task for the mispronouncing her name and forgetting to mention her donation for the past few years. I mean, I put that on, frankly, Amy Wu and APM for screwing that up. Not Luke mm-hmm. and Andrew. I'm sure they don't compile the list themselves. Um, we know who that angel was. Let's just say that this angel has the initials CW. Whose hmm. motto for 2018 is "Name it and shame it," <laughs> which I think is great. <laughs> which she did correctly. Name yeah. it and shame it. Indeed. And finally, Mike from Kloss Meets uh, did what Luke spoofed that he should do and added the mention on TBTL to the very elaborate Kloss Meets timeline. <laughs> right. The, the notable events in their history is now on the website. I did go and look at it. It's pretty funny that, that they got mentioned on moderately famous podcast TBTL. Well, Mike's versatile meat cutter slash webmaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice job by Mike. On to Friday, 2658, me and you and a dog named Rue. Very light notes because it was very light content. Um, there was a little coffee snafu up front as uh, Luke... Luke tried to work around to get some some coffee up to his room, and uh, it was really uncomfortable to listen to because he was texting the person. The person wouldn't come up to his room. Then he would come up, and Luke wouldn't go down. And he wasted a lot of this guy's time for a $4 cup Mm -hmm. of coffee and probably a $2 tip. Um, So it made me a little uncomfortable, but he eventually did get his, um, his coffee. Lucas says he is glad that Bellingham doesn't have Postmates or similar um, delivery services because he thinks he would use them for every last little. He would abuse it all whim. the time. <laughs> I think, and I sort Luke of agree sh- with him. <laughs> Luke should have done the move that he said he considered, which was tell the people at the Starbucks in the lobby, "Oh my God, can I come back and pay you later?" I mean, they mm-hmm. don't care. He could take his cheese sticks and his coffee and and if all he said was i'm so sorry i've got a conference call that starts in three minutes i don't have time to go get my wallet and bring it back down is it okay if i come back in a couple of hours and pay you and they'd be like yeah sure i bet yeah he has gray temples that's just screams (laughs) trustworthiness Mm -hmm. so you know all that went on and then uh they they have the anthony bourdain talk and and luke had some really sweet things to say he he has a lot of reverence for the talent that Anthony Bourdain had, uh, which is undeniable, and and then how nice of a of a fellow he was in person. Um, I I watched some of his stuff just because Emily watches it, and it it's a uh, I don't know it, it it is it's it's always entertaining. He was an entertaining guy, and and he. I don't want to like say he changed so many lives, but he did like open up a lot of imaginations to different types of food that I'll probably never try. <laughs> but the the show that I, that we used to watch quite a bit of was was No Reservations, and I always thought that that was an ironic name for a show when you're going to to some some place in Thailand or whatever, and you got a a crew of twenty people. Of course, you're going to have to make some reservations. You're going to have to make a lot of reservations. <laughs> We'd be irresponsible not to have some reservations. The yeah. magic of television, Mike. 
oh, I guess they mean no reservations about what kind of weird food we're going to eat. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. Wow. I see you um, You weren't reading those same books about puns that taught Anne all those years ago. No, I came to the fork in the pun road, and I, I took the, the fork less traveled, the time less traveled. Well, I wasn't a fan of Anthony Bourdain. Not that I disliked him in any way. I just never read his book. or I mean, I don't have cable, so mm-hmm. I never watched his TV shows right. or anything. I was just aware of him as a celebrity, celebrity and a presence. Um, and everybody's so shocked that he took his own life. And I got to say, I will never be shocked um, that a person that has that kind of history took with drugs took their own life because... Oh, I yeah. think that that points to a lot of issues that that person was dealing with. Bobby, can I um, can I blow you up about what you sent me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the other day. Yeah, yeah, you can. Okay, it's um, I got a message from Bobby after, you know, this was like in late in the afternoon uh, on the day of uh, his suicide, <clears throat> and it very much sums up. Uh, my attitude towards social media on a lot of the celebrity deaths. And Bobby said, I haven't helped but notice you haven't put up a post making the Anthony Bourdain suicide about yourself yet. Did you not get the memo, Facebook user? <laughs> and that one got Emily. She laughed pretty hard at that. I I know that there are a lot of people who um, struggle with depression and I know that there are a lot of people who have been um, impacted by the uh, the sadness and frustration and just cruelness of suicide in people close in their in their circles. And and so every time a story like this breaks, it's very personal for those people. But um, it, it's just kind of amazing. Uh, this is like when you hear about a great sports play in history and like a hundred thousand people claim they were there and the stadium only right. held 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, it, it's one of those moments where everyone trying to post something that sort of makes it more about them than what happened just kills me. And I know there are people out there who have really personal connections to Bourdain or Kate Spade um, just this week. Uh, but I just, you know, I didn't post anything about Anthony Bourdain. I was sad when I heard that he, you know, killed himself. And uh, and it's always sad when you hear that about anyone. Uh, but, you know, I didn't feel compelled to post anything because I didn't have that personal whatever. And I think a lot of other people are just looking for a reason to do it. And, yeah, that kills me. Now, well, ten, a- <clears throat> 10 cheeses in 10 days, that's a whole different project that I am posting about <laughs> on my Facebook page. Now, that's important. That's important. Uh, it, it was a version of, uh, I think it was a few years ago, I, I posted something like, um, I really want to post something about Veterans Day, but I can't figure out, I haven't figured out a way to make it about me. Right. Right. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, there's there's memories of the Cosmo.com days. When I was with uh, Papa John's, we were just, we probably had five to 10 restaurants open at the time. And we were rapidly opening up. This was like in the early two thousands and at least two or three of these companies came at us, you know, trying to, well, you know, hook up with us and we'll deliver your food. But I didn't have to deal with them because mm, Papa John's, um, for, for, for all the, for all the 
the making fun of of John that uh, the people do. He did have a lot of vision and he had every store in America and in Canada all on the same point of sale system. So we we had um, online delivery from the moment we opened our restaurants. So you could just go online and order from Papa John's. We didn't need these companies. So it was it was fun watching them you know, all this money that went into them just go up in smoke because they didn't they couldn't really execute and they they would tell me about all their plans and I'm like this this is no this is never going to work and like months later they were tits up but I got a lot of swag cuz they they printed a lot of stuff up and got a lot of trinkets and all kinds of bullshit and I'm sure they had lots of pool tables and ping pong tables at their swanky offices but um uh, it all went away really quickly, and I was really glad that it did because it was all all kind of stupid. There are companies that do execute that really well, though. Pink Dot in Los Angeles is famously great at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that is because nobody in L.A. wants to go anywhere because it's impossible to go anywhere. So, you know, someone who will bring your gro- bring groceries to you is and just almost anything, almost any time of day is something. that L- There is a niche there. L.A. also is a bumper crop of beautiful talentless people who need work yep and so absolutely finding delivery people has to be pretty easy very easy and it's not that easy in the seattle area that that's for sure uh there's uh we talked about the flapjacks pancake dad um summer picnic discussion we talked about that daddy is now disturbing luke andrew finally has his uh (laughs) <laughs> has his kryptonite for Luke um putting putting daddy on on things that's so I think that's um I think that's going to work for him. Yeah, it's about time. I'm ready to see this turn into a more fair fight. They talk about the baseball mitts and baldness helmets that that they're going to take on the trip. Um top story? Nope, no top story. So <laughs> Just imagine it was a poop story, Anne, and then you'll be happy that they didn't All do right. They get an email from Merrill with some hitchhiking tips, um, and they sound like they're softening a little bit to getting rides from 10s. They're not going to, at least not yet, allow us to um, crowd surf them down the way. But uh, but it does sound like they're they're softening a little bit. If, if the 10s can figure out where they are, they'll be happy to get a ride. And believe me, it's so goddamn hot out right now that uh, they'll be happy to get a ride from Satan himself at, <laughs> at, at a certain point I'm sure you know I mean like it's at least at least Satan's car probably has air conditioning what does Satan uh, drive uh, oh a BMW for sure oh you think <laughs> yeah it's a 3 series because he's he's he, you know he's just pretending to be a BMW owner right I mean you don't think he'd drive like a like a Yukon, something gross like no. that. No, 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 no. Satan, you think Satan has more class? No, no. Satan is just the ultimate asshole. So what else would he drive? I don't know. I could picture Satan and Luke and Andrew side by side by side on the bench seat of an El Camino. Hmm. <laughs> All their shit in the or back. Or Satan makes them ride in the back of the El Camino, so they're still just. Boiling hot. There's an old love seat. They're, they're on a grill of a metal grill in the back. Uh, no, no, no. I, I see a love seat back there. Some boxes of things. You know, mm. it's cozy. All right. Uh, 
Luke uh, decides he wants to beg for rides at the rest stop, um, which uh, he can't do. And Andrew brings up the very real possibility that they're going to have some discussions with police officers if Luke keeps going through with his terrible, terrible plans. Uh, They get a voicemail from, Hi, Alicia, in Boston. Uh, It's about a collect call travel tip that she used to do to let... That no, not, not that she used to do. That one of her family members used to do to let them know where he was and that he was all right and that he'd arrived in whatever place by yelling out the name of the city. Um, seems like more people abuse the collect call system <laughs> than yeah. actually use the collect call system. To me, well, that's and why I, it this was... is someone. Who, I'm someone who's made a lot of collect calls from you know where. I won't even say it because you guys will make fun of me. <laughs> Mike, you were in you know where? Yes. Yes, I was for 71 months I was in a town called you know where. Okay. Um Luke tells the story of his baseball practice trick on the on the collect calls and what's stunning to me is they are just now on on Friday um just days to go until their hitchhiking adventure starts just now looking at a map of the United States. Neither mm-hmm. one had thought to do that before. So this has yeah. got to be one of the reasons that uh, Carrie's frustrated. Is just, not only is it just a stupid thing to do, but they're they're not even executing. They don't even know what they're going to take. Well, the bags. If you're not driving, you going. don't need to look at a map. Yeah, where we're going, we don't need maps. Yeah, that's what they're saying. All right, uh, music for your weekend. Andrew um, brings up Lobo, me and you, and a dog named Boo. This this so far what I've heard I'm not impressed with the uh, summer not the summer the hitchhiking playlist we've got life as a highway me and you and a dog named Boo and some Muppet song so that's not a soundtrack that I'm anxious to uh, throw on so Luke's song by DJ Cassidy the future is mine uh, apparently an underwear based music video I have not checked it out I meant to because I wanted to see. If it was uh, less offensive or more offensive than um, then who's the who's the rapper that did was at the oh, gosh it's I'm having an Andrew moment um, Sir Mixalot the Sir Mixalot video for Put Him on the Glass to me that's the gold standard in offensive videos I, if you don't count my my neck my back I watched the video today because I was curious about this underwear based music mm-hmm. video. Uh, it's most <laughs> it's mostly bathing suits actually. Yeah. It's actually mostly bathing suits. It's set on a tennis court, and I would say it it has, uh, you know, some serious tennis instruction in there. So any of you who are interested in tennis should definitely watch it. Well, I'm going to check it out, and, and while I'm doing that, y'all go check out Sir Mixlots. Put him on the glass. Not a lot of production value there, but he has all his fancy cars, and and the ladies are certainly putting them on the glass. Um, the. The listener's song is from Dazzling Donor Julie's daughter, Bellamy's band. That's a mouthful. New Nostalgia, uh, City Lights. And it was clearly the best of the three songs. So, yeah. Julie, if you're a listener, uh, you win the championship. Um, although the listeners almost always win this championship. Yes. Well, they, there's some talent in in those kids for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, housekeeping, mahalo. Uh, buy stuff from us. <laughs> Our merch is at 10710.com forward slash shop. Uh, archive project. Christy's always working on that. 
and you can get in touch with her, get involved. You can buy stuff uh, from Amazon through our link at littleredbandwagon.com forward slash Amazon. The Earbuds and Earworms episode this week. Um, I Mitchell has come up with something, some sort of music called Vaporwave. Were either one of you aware of Vaporwave music? No. No. I assume that really sounds the music that comes like it could not be good. comes out of your vape pen every time you exhale. Yeah, I'm going to listen to it just to see, because an idea that sounds that bad, like the first guy that ate an oyster or something, it's probably good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If you know, if anyone's still listening to va- Vaporwave after five minutes, then it's probably better than we thought. Yeah. So. Well, we'll look forward to that then. If you would yeah. like to get involved with the show, visit our website, littleredbandwagon.com, or throwyourphone.com for all your comments, good or bad. Silly ones, serious ones, we are happy to take them all on and always think about them and hopefully not get defensive. Well, five minutes of defensive, and then we start to think about <laughs> what you said. Uh, come visit us on our Facebook page. The show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemail or text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Holy crap. How are we at two hours? (laughs) So, Bobby, why don't you get us out of here? Absolutely. Until next time, this is the next party. Jen, we love you so much. We wouldn't park you at the bowling alley. Nailed it. Okay, I'm pausing right there. I've been hanging out with you guys too long because I was going to say something. And then I reminded myself that I'm my parents' daughter.